Well, hello and welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast, re- being recorded uh, just after, well, I'll say just after, it's actually on the Sunday, uh, two days after City's FA Cup tie at Tottenham, in which Nathan Ake scored the late winner and the Blues progressed to the fifth round of the FA Cup. Um, before I introduce my two guests, uh, I'll tell you what's on the show this week. A uh, big shout out to Counting King, who are based in Salford Keys. Uh, you can find them easily on the uh, on Tinternet, as they say. And they deal with business stuff. So if you run a business, you're involved in a business where you think you can benefit from loans and financial advice, they are very, very good. But they are specialists in R&D tax credits, which is research and development. And they can potentially save you quite a lot of money in your business uh, in terms of what you pay now out of tax. Quite legitimately, there's nothing wrong with it, but they're just experts at it and very, very good at it. So I would recommend you check them out and tell them that Forever Blue sent you. And you never know, it could save you a lot of money and then I'd be just as happy as you are. Also, thanks very much to AMR Development UK, who are constant sponsors of the activities that I do. Uh, The builders, well, not the builders, but the renovators, if you like, of the pyramid just off the M60, which is now a three-level event centre with a restaurant and all sorts of other things. So thanks very much to both of them. Now, a little bit later on, uh, you're going to hear an extended version of an interview I did last week with John Macken, Manchester City striker of the past, who, if you know your history of City, scored the winning goal in a 4-3 comeback victory at Spurs in the FA Cup many, many years ago. City were 3-0 down and then had Joey Barton sent off at half-time. It all seemed doom and gloom. Kevin Keegan was the manager. I remember commentating on the match and thinking, that's him off to the job centre. In fact, I think I said that on my commentary, um, you know, to Fred Eyre, who was alongside me. And then the second half, City came back from 3-0 down and won 4-3, which was one of the greatest comebacks. I mean, you think about the Aguero comeback and the Aston Villa comeback with Gundogan, and that was even bigger. Maybe not as significant in terms of um, winning trophies, but certainly in terms of the, the drama of it all and the unbelievability of it all. So a little bit later on, not only we you hear him talking about that game, but about his Manchester City career. But the two uh, members of the Forever Blue team who are with me this week are Toby and Amy. And uh, we're going to discuss all things Manchester City, as we always do, starting with that game against Spurs. Now, uh, I'm going to start with you, Toby, because you were there and you were in the City end. And I I was there working for uh, Indian TV, which I do on the FA Cup and Champions League games. So I was sat in the press box. I wasn't right in the heart of those 9,000 fans. So first of all, just give us a little flavour of what it was like, because it's unusual, apart from cup finals, to have that many fans travel so far, especially on a Friday night. And before the game, I can't deny, I was a little fearful that the away end might have been a little bit like the Community Shield, i.e. a lot of people there who were not sort of bought-in City fans, as it were. But it didn't appear that way to me. It felt as if that was a really vociferous away end. So just tell me a little bit about your experience of that away end. Yeah, no, it was, I think everyone was a little bit fearful. And um, I think especially, I think City have voiced their, uh, City fans have voiced their concerns and their uh, opinions of um, what time the kickoff was, when the kickoff was, obviously being on a Friday um, with 9,500 fans. Um, and I'll get into that a little bit later, but yeah, it was it was an amazing away end. Um, obviously, I think it was split between the the three tiers as well. 
Um, and so to have that many fans and it be split like that, almost like it is at the Etihad actually as well, um, and have that much of an atmosphere. I mean, Tottenham just couldn't, I couldn't hear them at all the whole game. Um, it was amazing. Um, so it just felt like a like a normal city away end for a, for a Premier League game. And and like you said, you know, we, we we spoke about it earlier in the season when we went to Community Shield. It was one of the quietest city ends. I mean, we were being me and my mate were sitting on the first row at Wembley in the first tier behind the goal, and we were being told to sit down. And you know, you get a little bit fearful that. It might be like that, but we sold a nine and a half thousand allocation on a Friday night and eight o'clock kickoff out. So we sold that out in 24 hours. And I think that sort of showed um, the power of our fan base now. It's, it was incredible. And and despite all of that, I don't know if you saw any of the the um, the troubles with the traffic, um, but despite all the troubles, I think I had a lot of I know a lot of people coming down on the coaches from the Etihad. Um, and a lot of people got caught in traffic. I got caught in traffic over people who only arrived there five minutes before kickoff. But despite all of that, the away end was amazing. Um, and it just it outsung Tottenham the whole way through. And, you know, it spurred the players on and, and it gave us something we've, we, we needed there because we've gone into those games at Tottenham um, now with a chip on our shoulder because we just haven't been able to score there. I think I've, I said it a couple of times going to Spurs away where we... We sort of play well for 10, 15 minutes and then we we don't score and we give up because we we have that men mental side of things where we go, we haven't scored here. We ha we're playing well. We aren't scoring here. And when we scored that goal and it got disallowed, a little voice in the back of my head went, OK, well, that 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 could be problems. And, you know, you get to 60, 70, 80 minutes and you go, OK, this is this is going to go to a replay. And we, we got hope for a replay here and hope that Tottenham don't nick a late one because I don't think we're going to score. Um, but, yeah, in terms of the fans, it was incredible. Great atmosphere. Um, you and I were talking in a, a few minutes before the, the podcast um, about the the troubles with VAR. Um, in oh, terms hang on, of hang on. To we'll come to that in a second because I want to bring on, you then. in. So we'll come to that in a second. All right, I'll, I'll, no, no, that's fine. Well, I'll, I'll just talk about the the result then for a sec. But yeah, it, incredible. Um, we, we played well. We we deserve to win. That's the second time for me in two games in a row where we've been playing well. We've brought De Bruyne on and it's just changed. It's the, the 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 mentality and the energy inside the team just instantly just flips. Um, you know, Newcastle, we as I say, we were playing well. We look we looked like we were creating chances, <clears throat> but we we just couldn't, we didn't have that little touch, that little energetic finish um in that final third. And as soon as De Bruyne came on in that game, we had it. And then again. Yesterday, as soon as De Bruyne came on, it just seemed to change. I uh, say yesterday, Friday, even. Um, it, you know how important he is is it, it's beyond words. And um, like I said after the Newcastle game, you know it's it's great to have something taken away so you can fully appreciate um, how much you love it. <laughs> and I think we can say that for Kev. Um, and he he was the he was a difference maker. He put the cross in for the for the goal again. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, incredible. And, and yeah, the fans are amazing. And I'd say I was slightly fearful of what that away end was going to be like, but no, it's it an incredible away and incredible atmosphere. And uh, yeah, another another great winning through to the next round. It wouldn't have been easy for you, Amy, to even consider going down to that game at sports because of your work commitments, etc. So I'm assuming you watched it on TV. Um, what, what, what did it feel like to you? How did it come across on TV? Uh, I could hear the fans singing. I, I could hear the, I could hear City fans more than Tottenham. Uh, considering how big Tottenham's ground is, I definitely heard all them 9,000 fans definitely singing for the lads. Uh, 
great game, really, really good game. Uh, felt really sorry for Oscar Bob. I really wanted that goal to be to be his. Um, but um, obviously all the applaudits were on Aki and De Bruyne. Uh, but I thought Kovacic was really, really good. Um, and I know on the City app, he was given man of the match, whereas on the actual uh, game, uh, Ali McCoy's gave it to Aki. Um, but yeah, there was like, you know, I've I've read reports where it says it was a scrappy win, but I personally thought we played really, really well. Uh, excuse me, played really, really well. Uh, we created loads of chances. Um, like I say, Kovacic did really, really well. And then obviously Kevin, you can't. There's there's no words to describe that man. I think they've already been said. Um, him and Doku come on, and that was it. It was you know game over, and uh, yeah, it was really, really good. Um. It, you know, I don't know. I don't the match. It's it's different when you're there, but watching it on the telly, it's I feel like it's more nerve wracking. Like I don't know why. It just feels more nerve wracking watching it on the telly, um, because you don't know what's going to happen. And I'm quite superstitious, and it was like right. Well, I can't I can't move from where I am on the the on the city because like something might change and. You know, you can't go to the toilet half time in case something changes. You can't make a drink or whatever. And I didn't have like my dad there to make me my brew. So um I just had to sit there waiting. <laughs> um but yeah, it was really, really good, really, really good match. And I'm glad all them fans were there to support the lads. I think I'm right in thinking your other half's are red as well, aren't I? So what's that like sitting there watching with him? Or were you not no, no, with him? No, he's a no Andy's a blue. He's a city. Oh, oh, all right, right. It's my, bro- it's my brother that's a red. Well, you don't watch the games with him, I take it then. No, no, I don't watch the football with him. No, no. <laughs> we used to. We when we used to go to the pub to watch the derbies, um, I'd be sat at one end of the bar and he'd be sat at the other end, and we'd just like if City were winning, I'd just do this, like you know, uh, and he'd be stood there like that, fuming for the for the rest of the night. Um, but yeah, I miss them times because they were actually quite funny, but. Um, Obviously, I'm at the ground, so I'm not really bothered anymore. <laughs> he has to sit and watch it on the telly instead. Well, I'm going to come to, to Toby on that subject of VAR now, but I want to get you, first of all, Amy, to tell me your emotions as you sat there. You said you wanted Oscar Bob to, to have that goal scored. Um, I was away from where the noise was and the intensity was, so it's, and, and because I've, I've been a journalist all my life, I'm used to sitting a bit more dispassionately and compartmentalising it up. I just wonder, trying to imagine you on the sofa and whether you leapt out in the air when Oscar Bob scored, whether you leapt into the air when Ake scored and how, how all this VAR shenanigans affects you as a, as a spectator. So um, I sort of knew it was offside, sort of, um, you know, Typical girl doesn't know offside. Um, Listen, that's but, got nothing to do with... with, with um, but like... <laughs> You know what? Just of, let me, just let me tell you this. Just let me tell you this. I'm <laughs> sat in the press box and just in front of me was Nada Manua, right? We've got monitors in the TV in the press box. And when that goal was being, shall we say, considered by VAR, um, Nade, we'd watched the replay by then. Nadem turns around to me and says, what do you think? Was that a goal or not? Or was it offside? Right? And I said, no, I think it's a good goal. And he went, oh, uh, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> now, so that proves that it's nothing to do with understanding offside, is it? It's to do with where they're going to draw them damn lines. 
think I don't think offside means offside anymore, does it? I don't think it's that, you know. Um and it's just ridiculous to to work something out because of somebody's arm, elbow, finger, air armpit, air. It's just and like it's just ridiculous. And to be offside by your toe, I'm not being funny. A footballer plays with his feet, like you know. I just think sometimes these rules are just ridiculous. Um, did but you yeah, I, yes, I did. But then I thought, mm, yeah. And then, but Aki's goal, I jumped around and spun around and left. I was on my own, so it's fine. Like, no one could go, Amy, what are you doing? <laughs> did, you any, did you not have any doubt then on the Aki goal? Did it not occur to you that the... Uh, no, no, because the way, I, the way I'd seen it was the goalkeeper had hold of Ruben. So he, obviously him pulling Ruben down made him fall. And then, so I knew that the, that was fine, but I knew it was going to go to VAR because they'd, they'd all crowded the ref. Um, but yeah, there was a bit of a stunned silence with Oscar Bob's uh, goal. Um, but it's annoying. This is the problem with VAR now. You, it's taking like 10 years to celebrate and it shouldn't be like that. Football should be, you know, we was say, I've said it, how many times have I said it about injuries are going to happen because of the offside thing and, We've seen it now. John Stones got injured. Edison got injured. Luckily, it wasn't too bad. But there is going to be a serious one, you know, and, and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's actually quite worrying, really, that, you know, um, uh, God forbid that that ever happens, but it could do. Um, yeah, just VAR just takes the, the fun out of things. <laughs> You know, it's nice been watching the FA Cup in the, in the lower grounds that don't have it, and it's been referees and linesmen doing the jobs that they you know that they paid for and um, that football was much better without without VAR. I completely agree now Toby you might have a different viewpoint of the two VAR contentious issues uh, you're out in the middle of the crowd uh, knowing you and having seen you at get games you do go berserk so did you withhold that berserkness? Um <laughs> With with the Ake goal, yeah, because I I thought that one would be ruled out. Um, the Bob goal, yeah, I I said to you before, I celebrated more for the Bob goal than I than I did for the Ake goal because we were right in front of it, and and we've had one this season with Liverpool where I can't, I can't remember who it was, a Kanji who who was up against um Ed, um Allison and he hardly touches him, and the, the ball goes in the back of the net, and Allison goes rolling down on the floor, and it's given as 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 a foul on the goalkeeper, and we don't get the goal, and that cost us the t- two points in that game. And so I saw that one, and I was right behind the goal, and so I saw it, and I went, "That's going to be ruled out," just based on what we've seen already this season. So I hate the inconsistency of like if you're going to rule one out rule the other one out as well don't you know I don't mind what the rules are I've said this before I don't mind what the rules are. obviously there are things certain things that I'd want to see in the game and certain things that I wouldn't want to see in the game but ultimately I don't really mind what we see I just want it to be consistent with offside it's a difficult one because I'm, I'm, I'm I quite like the idea of the fair conclusion being given and and, and offside is not a, a, an opinion it's a, it's a fact you are either offside or you're not I think these automated offsides they brought into into the Champions League uh, are something we should definitely bring into the Premier League. I think they they stopped it or blocked it in the start of the season, which I sit there and I go, why? Because they clearly need it because it will speed up the game and it will come to the right decision. Offside is offside. Even if it's by that much, it doesn't matter. Oscar Bob's offside. It's annoying, but you know maybe I'll be saying something different if we'd lost. 
what I'd like to say though is it does ruin the game. It does ruin the the, the moment of celebrating in you know you 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 cheer a goal and and now you're you've got that voice in the back of your head going can we actually really go for this and and enjoy the moment because you worry two seconds later that they're going to go oh no VAR offside whatever. What I'd like to say is that Maidstone United pulled off an incredible FA Cup upset yesterday and well done to them and I hope they get whoever they want to get in the next round it's an incredible story but that upset would not have happened if Ipswich was able to have VAR in that game because in the build-up to their second goal that one of their the uh, I can't remember the guy's name their striker pulled on the shirt of the Ipswich player so in today's rules you would and in today and in what you've seen I mean you don't know with VAR you don't know with referees but you would assume that that would be disallowed now I ask any fan who isn't an Ipswich fan, by the way, and obviously we come back to the whole tribalism point, but would you have liked to seen that goal be ruled out by VAR, knowing what's happened since, knowing that Maidstone have gone and pulled off an upset? I wouldn't. And I'm not saying, and I know that's then, I've, I've, I've sort of contradicted myself about the fair the fair conclusion happening, but it, it, you sit there and you go, we, we've seen an amazing cup upset. They Maidstone, in my opinion, deserved to win that game. They had they had two shots. They took their chances. They knew what they were, everyone knew what they were going to do. They defended brilliantly. Their goalkeeper was amazing. There's an amazing cup cup upset. But with VAR there, it probably wouldn't have happened. So I ask any football fan who likes VAR, who wants to keep VAR, who thinks that that is a a right thing to have in our game. Well, is it because we we won't see these amazing cup upsets and we won't see these amazing moments. We can't feel these amazing moments while VAR's in because we can't celebrate, we can't enjoy it. And those Maidstone fans, you look at them, they went absolutely nuts at 2-1 up. And rightly so, they've just gone up 2-1 up. I think it was 94 places between those two teams. A team in the National League South, my locals in the National League South, just to put it into perspective, it, it's honestly, it's an amazing team and it wouldn't be there without VAR. So sorry to divert away from City a bit with it, but that's just my comparison. And that's what I feel watching that game yesterday how I feel about how about VAR being in the game. It ruins it. And yes, in terms of offsides, it brings the right decision in. But why can't we have it? So it's just offsides. We have like the goal line technology because that was a great addition. And we have just the automated offsides and that's it. We take everything else out because it's not making the game better. It's only making it more controversial. Couldn't agree with you more, Toby. And um, I have to say that having watched football through all its different phases from mud heaps of pitches when Stan Gibson was the the, uh, the groundsman at City and Malcolm Allison. I mean, we are going back here, but this is obviously a little bit of a history lesson for newer fans. Um, Malcolm Allison was the coach and he used to say to Stan Gibson, the groundsman, flood the pitch beforehand so it becomes muddy because they won't like it, the opposition won't like it. And now we're in a position where even forgetting VAR for a moment, the, the matches, for by and large, are played on absolutely perfect pitches. You've only got to touch a player, and that is considered to be a foul. Whereas in the old days, you know, you, you'd, you'd kick lumps out of each other and they'd let it carry on. As long as the referee was consistent, let both sides do it. And now we seem to have this sort of perfect football, which on the one hand is adm admirable, and I like football play being played on the ground and it all be about passing. But it, it almost inevitably means, and we are the beneficiaries, of course, of this with the best coach in the world and the best team in the world. But it means that the best team almost always win. And although Maidstone did win at Ipswich, if you look at the FA Cup so far this season, I think obviously Everton lost as well to Luton. But you, you, the number of supposed shocks 
have been very, very minimal. You can almost predict the outcome of every game. And I think that's a little bit sad. Moving away from that, though, here's another subject. And you mentioned tribalism. I did um, a little calculation this morning. I'm going to write a newspaper column, you see. So I was just doing a bit of research. And so as I'm walking away from the ground, I listen to Tottenham fans, a couple of Tottenham fans near me saying, well, what can you do against a, a, a team, that a club that plays, that spends that much money? You know, how can we compete with them? So I thought, you know, just out of curiosity, I'm going to put down the, how much each of the players on each team that started that game cost. Uh, the Tottenham team comes to £324 million. That's the team that started. And the City team was £362 million. So, yes, the City team did cost a little bit more. But we're talking about a difference of less than uh, less than £40 million, which, you know, when you're talking in an age where, you know, players, an average Premier League player is costing £50 million sort of thing, there's very little difference in that. I mean, obviously, Oscar Bob and Phil Foden were free transfers, as was Ortega in goal. Um, you know, so you do see I mean, even uh, City's main striker, Alvarez, £14 million. So to use that as the excuse, to me, becomes tiresome. Now, I'm not denying that City are obviously very lucky that they've had in the past, before FFP really clamped down, the opportunity to build and get to the situation they're in without doing that in the early stages, then they wouldn't be where they are. But this particular era, City are balancing the books. They, you know, look at the deal that they've just done for the young Argentinian who's going to come in in a year from now. They did it with Alvarez. Uh, even Erling Haaland, they got him at exactly the right time to get him a what you consider to be a bargain fee. Is this not just not... I know you two will back me up on this, so I don't even know why I'm asking you, but is this just not evidence that City are actually very, very clever in the transfer market and also have the best coach in the world? And it's not just about money, because if I write down Liverpool's players and United's, probably United's players as well, you know, and Arsenal's players, there won't be much difference between City's team that they put out and those opposition teams. So, Amy, go on, tell us what you think about all that. Am I um, right? Well, yeah, because like I, th I think a lot of it comes down to jealousy. And it's like, I know I'm going off the cuff here, but it's like when you was at school and you had the best trainers, someone had come and bully you to nick your trainers because you had the better trainers. Like, it just, like, I just think it's just ridiculous. Like, it's like, you know, don't even get me started on these, like, charges and stuff. I'm fed up of reading about it. I'm fed up of hearing about it. I'm fed up of reading about it. It's actually stressing me out, and it's just pathetic. Uh, asking old players, do you think something... Like, someone asked Aguero the other day, like, do you think, like... And I think... It, and basically, he turned around and said, whatever happened on that pitch and the trophies I won, I believe I won them in in, in fitting true thingy. And I thought... Why, why, what, what, you know, like, just because Arsenal haven't got, a, you know, a, a big, per but they have, they have got owners who've got money. You don't buy a football team for a pound, you buy him for a lot, a lot of money. And these people who own football clubs are rich people. Like, so if your, if, if your owner isn't doing what you want to do, then that's, that's not, 
at City's fault. That's your that's your owner's fault. That you know, when the yellow and green scarf come now and they're all protesting and um because they don't like the Glazers. Well, that's your fault. That's not City's fault. That's your fault. That's the Glazers' fault. And anyone else who owns a football club, it's their fault if they've not done what they needed to do with the with with their with their football club. They bought it. They you know, if it was in debt, then that's that's their problem. You you they have to take the rough with the smooth. So I just think it comes down to jealousy and it is really pathetic. And it is like being at school and getting bullied because you had the better trainers. And you've got to say that City's planning, you know, the, the whole structure of the way the club is. Um, they have obviously got a plan. Whereas you look at a team like United, and it's and in fact you hear fans do it as well. Oh, they, they need a striker, sign a striker. That's not how City think. That's yeah. not how they think. They think more strategically. They they think um, more in terms of how players fit into the system rather than, uh, you know, the, the, I was listening to one of the radio stations, probably Talk Sport, somewhere like that, coming back from from a game, and it probably wasn't even the City game, where it was it was so sort of dumbed down in the fact that they were saying. Uh, we just need a big, strong target man, and I thought you, you, you're going back 30 years. That that's what it was like on big muddy pitches with Wimbledon yeah. playing. That's not how football is now. It's much more strategic and much more clever, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's like going back to you saying before about like how footballers were back in the day and how VAR and things like that. If Vinnie Jones had been playing today, that guy would not be on the pitch. He'd never, ever play in ever again in his life. Like, he'd do one bad thing and that'd be it. He'd be gone. Because he wouldn't be allowed to get away with the, with what he did. But, we lo- you know, we loved it. We loved them footballers. But, like you say, football's not like that. And they're very protected. Like, you know, a gust of wind comes and they fall over and it's like, right, quick, like, get... A and E and everything out, you know, it, it's it it just like this is what I'm saying though. Football isn't like how it how it was, and footballers aren't like it was. But if you're a good team, you're gonna want to play in that team. So you know, our our owners are very 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 clever people, and they know who they want and they know where to look, and they can say, "Do you want to go and play with us?" Yeah, how much? Well. Uh, we'll have you for this much because it works better in our favour more than their favour. But they still come, you know, all these big players have still come. And, you know, we are, as I say, it just comes down to jealousy, I think. Uh, I mean, obviously, you, you will have seen, Tobin, like I have seen these lists of of how much play, uh, clubs have spent, net spend. Net spend is as much as anything, net spend. You know, so obviously, if you're selling a few players out of your academy, like Cole Palmer, you are helping to balance the books. Um, and when you hear, you, you must hear it like like I do. You know, the fans saying, "Well, City only win things because they spent more money than anybody else." Oh yeah, ten years ago, maybe they did, <laughs> but they're not doing that now, are they, Toby? Uh, I, I used to hate it. I used to hate hearing it all, but I love it now. It's great because Amy's right. It's about jealousy. It's it's it, like if if you've got nothing else, nothing else to say about Manchester City other than oh, you spent loads of money. We win. There's you've got nothing. Man United fans used to sit there and go, we've got this this trophy and this trophy, and winning this much more than you. Now what can you say? Oh well, you've got 115 charges against you, and oh, you spend all the money. 
great, we win. We if you if that's the only argument you've got against Manchester City now, we've won. Like you, you've got nothing else to say about us. You've spent just as money, much as money as us um, since Fergie left. In fact, they spent more than us since Fergie left, and that's that's not including that spend, by the way. Um, and where, what what have they what have they won? Where have they got? Nowhere. It's ridiculous. The narrative of our, uh, you know, City just spend all the money. That's why they win is completely ridiculous. Um, Pep Guardiola is, in my opinion, is now the greatest coach of all time, and. You know, he has orchestrated something incredible at the football club. And, you know, the thought of potentially doing four Premier Leagues in a row this season, um, again, never been done before. The thought of potentially going winning over Champions League, obviously this is all hypothetical, we won nothing. And I'd be happy if we won nothing. I've seen it all. I don't care. Obviously, I, I want to win as much as possible, but it's, it's you know, we can't ask for more. We've 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 seen it all. But this narrative of uh, well, they just they just bought, bought their way to the trophies is just stupid. You you don't you don't buy trophies. You you buy the players, um, and then the infrastructure around the club. I mean, the, the comparison between Manchester United and Manchester City is perfect. Two clubs who've spent a similar amount of money, Manchester United more in the last ten years. One club is toxic from top to bottom, and the other club is probably the best run club in the world. And that's not even me being biased. We have structured our signings. And our academy so, so well. Instead of going and spending like Chelsea have, for example, we have thrown money at an academy which has pulled players like Oscar Bob, like Rico Lewis, like Phil Foden, like um, oh, Dozy. I, I mean, these these are players I like um, Bernie Goldkeeper, I can't remember his name, James Trafford. These are players who we've we've brought on, we've sold, loaned out then sold, brought money in, who've then funded. And we've done this for five years, but people haven't noticed that because we've sold them for 10, 15 million here and there. And nobody really looks at that because all anyone looks at in the last few years is, oh, well, Man City have just gone to spend another 100 million on Jack Grealish. They've gone to spend 50 million on, on, on Erling Haaland. They've gone this, they've done that. They've done 75 million on Josco Guardiola. Where are they getting the financial fair play? And if you go, well, actually, if you look at the finances and look where we've sold, look where we've bought, and you you lay it all out. You go, actually, we are we are complying with financial fair play. I'm not going to go into what we used to see, but it, it was like the whole, you know, all these conspiracies, all, they, they will do, everyone will do anything to take our achievements away from us. Look at Wayne Rooney sitting there about 93-20 with Aguero saying that it was fixed. I mean, that just sums it up. They'll do anything. Anyone who is successful, everyone else who doesn't support that team will do anything to take those achievements away from them. And I love it. It's great. I, I love to hear any time... Because I'm obviously Southern. So the first thing I always get is, oh, well, you're local, aren't you? Yes, you're local team. And I sit there and I go, if that's the only thing, if that's the only thing you can say to me about supporting Man City, I've won this conversation already. There's no point in me having an argument with you because I've won. You've got nothing else to say about it. You, we, We've won more than you. We're more successful. You're the best football coming. I've got the best coach in the world. I've got players in the best player in the world. So what else have you got to say? Just that we've got 115 charges and I'm a Southerner. Great, fantastic. Keep going. Well said, Toby. You don't want to, I must say. Um, right, we're gonna. I've got a couple more things I want to talk to you two guys about, but uh, I did promise earlier on that we'd hear from John Macken. Uh, so now's the time to listen to John. If you if you're a subscriber, and and why not? If you're not, by the way, to my YouTube channel as well as doing the match day vlogs, I put up videos there as well. And uh, last week, ahead of the Tottenham game in the FA Cup. Um, I did a chat with John Macken. You've seen some of it on, on YouTube if you've gone over there. Um, but now a longer version of that, starting with his career at City and then moving on to memories of that 
game when City won 4-3, having been 3-0 down. So um, here's John Macken, and then I'll talk to the other, these two, Toby and Amy, the other side of that interview. Well, John, um, I'd love to hear about your time at Manchester City, about what it meant to you, um, you know, what your career path was. I mean, obviously, I, I remember the goal you scored for Preston in the FA Cup that captured everybody's imagination. Was that what started your journey to City? Uh, well, it was, uh, I think it was, listen, it was, uh, obviously everyone links me to the game that we played City in the league, uh, in the championship when, you know, I scored, uh, and it was, you know, did, did Kevin sign you for that reason? But, uh, I don't think he was, you know, I think it was obviously overall, I think it was performances, you know, I was having a good time at Preston at the time. It was uh, going well as a team. We were doing really, really well. So I think you'd always try and identify players who you think can come into a team and uh, and improve, uh, not just yourself, but uh, obviously improve the team. And and um, that was uh, that was kind of the start of it. I mean, when 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 it uh, came along, uh, obviously I jumped at the chance. You know, it was it was one thing for me just as soon as David Moyes, you know, mentioned it to me. Listen, we've accepted a bid. Okay, okay, who is it? It's Man City, right? Listen, I want to go. <laughs> I want to speak to him. You know, and that was uh, that was it. Kind of done and dusted there and then. Uh, obviously, soon as I went to, soon as I signed, uh, I was over the moon. I couldn't wait to get it done. Uh, it couldn't come. It, it couldn't. I couldn't sign the forms quick enough. Uh, and then it was just a case of obviously uh, getting in, getting in the team, uh, breaking in the team and uh, trying to succeed, you know. Uh, and obviously at the start, early on, it went really well. You know, it went uh, fantastically well with the start with obviously me coming off the bench and, and scoring against Bradford uh, up there. And then obviously at Main Road, the back end of that season, you know, the contribution that I made, I thought was uh, was was very good, you know what I mean? It helps massively in the in the championship win, winning the league. So, you know, I was I was really pleased. Obviously, I was really uh I was over the moon to be signing. I was over the moon to be getting uh to playing and obviously uh continuing scoring uh the form that I was in at the time. And then obviously injuries hit, you know, and it was a bit plagued from then on, really. I loved watching Kevin Keegan's team play and he was all about attacking as a player. Were you aware of that? Was that one of the attractions, or was it just that City were a bigger club? No, obviously there was. I mean, there was massive attractions. Obviously, the way uh, Kevin played, played his football. You know, we was we was all aware of how his style was. You know, it was very attacking from, you know, his Newcastle days, his Fulham days. You know, everything we always we always knew. So, and just him himself. You know, he was very inspirational when he used to give his team talks. He was very inspirational when I spoke to him. Uh, you know, obviously when I was signing and stuff. And I think every time, you know, every time Kevin was did a team talk or uh, he spoke to you, you know, he inspired you, he, he made you want to become better in, you know, that, that information, that uh, that help that he gave was, it, it was just, for me anyway, personally, and listen, I didn't have the, the greatest of times back end of, of, of City because through injuries and so forth. But, you know, I'm always thankful for him to give him that opportunity to obviously be able to work with him and listen to him and, you know, see what uh, see what I can take now in in my coaching and managing role. And there's plenty that I take from, you know, what I gained when I was at uh, Man City with, with Kevin. Are there any parallels between Keegan and Pep? And I'm thinking in terms of what you've just said. I mean, when I've 
uh, spent time with Kevin Keegan. I've seen him as a man with great charisma that you would, and I can understand why you would want to play for him. And it feels to me like that's what Pep is as well, that Pep's a player that creates this sort of atmosphere among his players where they run through a brick wall and because he has so much faith in them. Is there a parallel between the two of them, do you think? I believe the faith one, yeah. I mean, he's he has got a lot of faith in his players and he's, he's very, uh, like I say, inspiring because he... He, you know, when he give, used to give his team talks and stuff, for me, he used to he used to make you believe you could go and beat anybody, you know. And I think I think that's what Pep's gained a lot. He's, he always wants to help and improve, and and that's what Kevin did to me. You know, he was always trying, he was always there trying to give me advice and trying to help me, you know, on a training pitch. And uh, and and the similarities, I suppose, is 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 in that aspect, you know, of of the nature of the. I suppose it's a little bit of a holistic approach to it, you know, really work with the individual uh, to try and get the best out of him, you know, on a personal note and obviously, obviously on the training ground. And, you know, if I'd, I'll be honest, I don't, you know, I don't know too much about Pep in terms of how he does that, but, you know, you hear stories and you hear the way he treats players, certain players. And uh, if that's, you know, if that's the way he is, then I I believe that's the, the right way to go about how you manage people, not not just teams, but how you manage people as well. You know, being players and and it seems you know Kevin was a was a master at that. Obviously, some players will when when they get disgruntled in situations, will talk about sort of managers blanking them and everything. And it feels to me as if certainly Pep, but I don't know enough because you see behind the scenes of what Kevin was like as a manager. But you get the feeling that respect is a key word to any any player, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think sometimes you just want a bit of clarity. You just want to know where you are, where you stand. And, you know, it was, it was listen, there were some hard times when I was when I was at City, you know, through injury and not getting in the team and so forth. And it's difficult. It's a difficult period when you're a player because, you you know, you feel a lot as though you're, you're on your own. You know, you've got all your teammates, you've got, the, you know, the physios, you've got all the coaches, you've got everybody, but you do feel as though you're on your own a little bit when it comes to, you know, being injured and not being in the team. You want to break in, you want to show the manager what you're capable of. And the challenge, that I suppose the challenge, and I certainly felt it, the challenge for me was when you do get your opportunity, you've not played for four, five, sometimes it might be 10 games, 15 games. So when you do get your opportunity, you know, you're not quite that sharp. And when that opportunity might only last 45, 60 minutes and that 45, 60 minutes, you've got to be, you know, unbelievably uh, confident. You've got to be unbelievable performance to get you the next game and then the next game and then the next game. And unfortunately, it doesn't always happen like that, you know, and and that was my case. I suppose a lot of the times I was I was kind of playing ca- uh, catch up uh, in terms of that and, you know, some of the games, you know, that I was I was pushed into, I was coming off the bench and uh, other games that I was starting, they were big, big games. So, you know, you really expected to put in a performance. And I understand, listen, I'm a manager now myself. It, it's uh, So I understand that. I understand their reasonings. But, uh, you know, I, I haven't got a, I haven't got a, a, a negativity to say about, you know, Kevin or Man City when I was there. It just, it, it, you know, it happens. That's that's football and that's life. Sometimes it doesn't go your way. Sometimes it does go your way. And, you know, I don't blame anybody. Uh, I think, you know, you just get on with it and you just try and, you, you just try and continue with your career and with your performances. I guess in the role that you're in now, having been through what you've been through, you will be well aware of the fact that, Football is a dog-eat-dog situation and, you know, you're competing with 
effectively your mates for your place in the team. I mean, I've I've spoken to media students, I know it's a different world, but said, did you realise that all the people who are on this course with you are actually after the same job that you're after? And that's what it's like as a player, isn't it? And it would have been like that when you were at City. It is. It's like you know, in a, in a crazy way, it's like being self-employed, isn't it? And and, and you and your mates are going for the same job because you work in the same industry, and and that's exactly what it's like. And you know, you're all friends, and you you know, you're all working together because it is a team sport. And when you're playing together, it's you know, it's all it's fantastic. But you are still competing uh, against your friend for that for that certain position, and and not not only that, you, you you're competing against a very wide range of other. Other players as well as you know, especially being a striker, the next one's always there. You know, you're looking all over the uh, Europe. Uh, when I was at Man City, you know, and well, the world really uh, for that next next talent, that next star, that next uh, person who's going to come in and score the goals. And you know, you are fighting against that, and you're fighting against other players who are in form, other players, you know, who are coming out of injury, who are big players. And it's, it's like I say, it's challenging. It was challenging, but that's all part and parcel of it, and it isn't it? That's what makes it. Uh, a wonderful sport to be involved in. As a professional sportsman um, that's that's played for the club that I've supported all my life, when you come into a club like that, are you aware of the fact that fans, it, to them, it's always important who did this, who did this player support, who do they support? It's only a professional job to you, and I get that. Was that ever a factor for you when you go into City, when you go into any other club that fans are scrutinising your sort of history as a football fan? Yeah, obviously you realise that, don't you? You realise I, I, I was under no illusions when I signed for Manchester City how big of a club it was, how big of a you know what I mean, uh, ambitious football club it was. What what it meant to the supporters, what it meant to 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 everybody, every individual, everybody, every signing. It, it, I mean, it meant um, it, it was the world to me when I when I signed. It was it was a case of for me, right? I'm going, I'm going to sign, and I want to do so well. I want to do, I want, I want to perform. I want to make everyone proud. I want to make, uh, I want to make history there with the football club, you know, because you you do you do you do that. And signing for a club like Manchester City at that time, that period, I was I was under the, uh, I was I was under the not illusion, but I was under the the spell of we can go and win something, we can go and challenge for things, we can go and we're ambitious. You know, you have a manager like Kevin Keegan with his history as playing as well as managing. You have the players that was there and we was obviously going to get better players. I, You want to be part of that. You want to be part of that because you want to... I, I always talk about being a, a footballer as creating moments, creating memories for, for yourself, for your family, but for fans as well and for football clubs. And at a club, you know, signing for a club like Manchester City, I believe you could, I could go and do that. You know, and there was times when, it, when it, you know, when I, when I was successful in that. There's times when other other players have been successful in that, but to to be given that opportunity to go and be able to create special moments uh, for a football club and 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 potentially, you know, winning things, it's it was it was a big achievement for me personally. You know, signing. Obviously, we're speaking ahead of of a City Tottenham game in the FA Cup, which clearly is going to put your name back in the spotlight. And no doubt they'll be putting reruns of, of your goal in the 4-3 win. Um, but for, there'll be a lot of people, newer City fans, that don't even know that story. From your perspective, City go to Tottenham in the FA Cup. Talk us through it. Tell, tell us your what you remember of that day. Well, I remember... Uh... I've always liked playing at Tottenham. Always liked playing at White Hart Lane. It's, I think it's one of them clubs, isn't it, that you just enjoy going to. Well, I did anyway, personally, as a player. 
I always felt felt as though it was going to be, you know, a real good atmosphere. It's a really nice stadium to go to and just an enjoyable experience for me. Uh, and obviously the game, I wasn't playing. I was on the bench because we uh, Nick Nicholas was playing. Obviously Nicholas and Elker, who was, you know, he was really our star man at the time. He was, you know, he was scoring goals and he, he was a fantastic player. Uh, we wasn't on a fantastic run in terms of league before in terms of the league uh uh and we was just we was i think we was I, I, we was underachieving really i'd say we was underachieving for the players and the squad that we had and going there it was always going to be tough it was always going to be a challenge but obviously i was on the bench supporting the lads hoping to get on hoping to make, make an impact and you know fortunate for me i managed to get on Unfortunate for me, we were two 0 down at the time, and you know, I mean, we wasn't playing well at all. But I think, I think that, I think the the moment when you could, I could see Nick wasn't wasn't really moving correctly. There was something wrong with him, and everybody on the bench. Obviously, you go and warm up, and then you get the call back, and and that was it. That was my, you know, that was my introduction to to that what is now the the you know the famous FA Cup game. I mean, everybody also will know who looks it up, even if they didn't watch it at the time. Uh, that City were 3-0 down at half-time. Joey Barton had just got sent off. So I famously said on air when I was working for the BBC that I spoke to my co-commentator and said, I wonder if uh, where the nearest job centre is and whether Kevin Keegan's on his way there. What was it like in the dressing room? Because it looked doom and gloom. It looked like it could be the end for him, didn't it? Yeah, it really did because, like I said, you know, the, the, the league performance wasn't good as well. You know, our performances wasn't great at all. And things just wasn't clicking, things wasn't going right. And, you know, when you put in a first-half performance like we did that night, it, it, you know, you're right to suggest things like that or, you know, to at least to say them out loud anyway because it, it was a difficult period, it really was. And, and you know, I, I'm sure, you know, honestly, you know, like I said, you know, as a manager, you look at it and you're thinking, is this my last game? Could this be my last game? Because sometimes it's not always about results. It's about performances and it's about, you know, looking at the attitude and the character. And it wasn't great that first half. It really, really wasn't. And it's, you know, as a fan and looking at it, you're going, what's going on? Is this something, you know, behind the scenes that we're looking at? Because looking at the squad and looking at the players, we should be doing a lot better. You know, and, and to be fair, that first half, 3-0 down, we didn't deserve anything out of that first half, nothing at all. You know, we we wasn't good at all. But to be fair, I think Tottenham, I think they was I think they was fantastic. I think that was a you know, it was a it was a great performance or first half performance from them. And obviously then Joey, you know, getting sent off, I think it was a lot of frustration, a lot of anger, you know, with 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 the actual scenario the, the the way the game was going and uh you know I, i'll say it and i think we all know anyway joey barton is a player who plays with his heart on the sleeves and gives everything gives 100 percent. you know he used to do that in training as well you know training games whatever he was doing he was, that was it he was giving 100 percent. and i think that game was similar i think he actually gave the, the free kick away didn't he that's what he got booked for for the third goal uh, he 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 gave that away, so I think he was still angry about that. And the, obviously, then he he went he went over to the referee, said what he said. I think maybe on other occasions that might not have been a sent sending off. I don't know what he said, but 
you know, you've seen it all players, you know, running up to referees, especially, you know, a while ago, 20 years ago, you know what I mean? Now it's a little bit different, but then, uh, but he just, you know, he decided to send him off and then, and that's it. I think, I think, I th- once again, I think you, I think you're correct by, by uh, looking at, you know, is this the end for me as a manager? Because you've got no, you, you, you're looking at it going, well, we've got no chance. We've got no chance now. We've got absolutely no chance of coming back. Performance wasn't there. You, you know, you're looking at your players and you're thinking, well, they give me nothing for the first half. What are they going to give me second? We're a man down. We just don't know, you know, where to go. It's in the changing rooms, for me, my recollection of it, it wasn't loads said. You know, there's a little bit of gene up here and there and, you know, come on, you know, we've got to give a good account of ourselves. We've got to get a little bit better second half. But that's just, you know, that's just running the mill. That's just what you say, isn't it? You know, you say that if you're 3-0 up, you say that if you're, you know, you're 3-0 down, come on, we've got to, we've got to push on. Uh, and then, you know, obviously the second half, we went out, and, and I've said this a few times, uh, I've said it about, we went out a little bit early. I'm not saying we went out on the pitch a little bit early, but we went in the tunnel a little bit early. And, and you know, me personally, I could hear the fans. I could hear them cheering. I could hear them, you know, singing. And that was a little bit surreal to me. You know, it still makes the airs on me. Uh, back in the next stand up and everything. It's just because it was surreal. Uh, what are they singing about? How can they be still supporting us after, you know, that first half performance? <clears throat> Excuse me. It was just wasn't, it wasn't good enough. So that kind of, you know, looking back, it probably inspired us a little bit. You know, right, come on, we've got to at least do something here. And we got an early goal, and the early goal always helps. But I think if we're all honest, it was probably, right, at least we've scored one. At least we've showed a little bit of character coming back. You know, you get the second lucky deflection, then you start in your mind, ooh, you know, is 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 you know, is our luck changing a little bit? Not not so much as as our luck changing. We're going to go on and win the game, but oh, our luck's changing a little bit. Keep going, keep going, just keep keep working hard, keep doing it. And I think I think the second half performance was really good from the lads. You know, everyone did the job uh, to a man, and uh, I think that was you know that was that was it wasn't just a you know, a comeback where it was lucky, we got lucky goals. I think the performance was really good as well, you know, really working hard for each other, really working hard for the cause. And the third goal, you look at Sean Wright Phillips, nowadays that's offside all day long, isn't it? That's going to bar and it's offside. But fate, sometimes it's fate, isn't it? Sometimes things are meant to be, you know, like like with, you know, Joey getting sent off. Sometimes things are meant to be, aren't they? You know, and we got the third. And I think at that moment, everyone's like, wow, what a comeback. So kind of we're inspired. I think they're a little bit deflated at that time thinking, oh God. I, do, I do think they probably took the foot off the gas a little bit thinking they, what, they, there wasn't much competition, you know, because of the first half performance, it wasn't there. So, you know, they probably took the foot off the gas a little bit, but uh, I don't really want to give them much credit because I want to give it, you know, us as players and us as a team because I think it was all us that, that second half and that night. Uh, and then obviously the fourth went, can you see me, mate? Sorry, it went yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. carry on, yeah. And then obviously the fourth goal when, you know, the ball went out wide, Michael put it in and I knew what unbelievable delivery he had. You know, he was a fantastic player, Michael Tanner, and his delivery, back post, you know, we work on him in training, deep crosses from, you know, uh, outside the box, outside the 18-yard box and, you know, just timing your run. And, you know, when I, te- when I, when I made the run and he shook someone off, as soon as I connected with it with my head, I, I knew I'd connected with it well. You know, you you know that's what you you know you you aim to do. Connect with it well, and and then you know towards goal. And I knew I'd connected with it well. I got up quite. I got up well as well. 
And soon as I seen the goal, I, I kind of knew where it was going because I directed it, you know, where I wanted it to go. Uh, and I seen the keeper scrambling a little bit and I was off. <laughs> I kind of knew it was going in and I was off, you know what I mean? And uh, it was just a surreal moment. And do you know what? I'll never I'll never forget it, you know, seeing the people's faces as I was running over, that they just witnessed, you know, an unbelievable comeback. And it, it wasn't because we still had a little bit to play. But, you know, to go ahead in, the, in, in them circumstances and to run over to the fans and see their faces and, and going wild, that, you know, just as a player, giving some a little bit back, and you know, to be there to people, you know, talk to me about it now. You know where they was at that time. They was in the pub. They was at home. They was banging on the ceiling. They was they just couldn't believe it. You know, and, and people in the stadium just seeing them, you know, hugging each other and stuff. It was it's a memory that you know I, I treasure, and uh, and and I'm just proud to say I was part of it. You know, I was part of one of them great FA Cup moments. When you look back on your career, then is that the outstanding moment of your entire career? Well, do you know what? I'd, I'd like to say it's, you know, I've got many, many moments in, in my career which I, I treasure and, you know, uh, is, is special to me and special to obviously fans that are, for the clubs I've played for. But that's a big one. That's a big one because it was the FA Cup. And it, it, I, I think it still means so much to people that, you know, that part of the club's history. Uh, and, you know, I, it, listen, they've gone on some wonderful things, far better achievements. So, you know, like just like last season. But, I think it's still it's still in people's hearts that you know and minds that where it it meant so much coming back and and showing that real city city spirit city fight and you know what they've you know what they've obviously been through over the previous seasons to show what it's all about when the support have supported them non-stop 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 and you know that's what it's about and I think that 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 night especially uh, kind of brought that back, you know what I mean? It brought that, we're, we're sitter, you know, we're, we're, this is what we do. Well, we're talking ahead of the FA Cup tie in 2024. Um, City haven't scored yet at the new Tottenham Stadium, which I know is right next to the stadium you played in. That's going to end, isn't it? I mean, do you, when you look at this game now, who do you see as favourites? City should should win it, shouldn't they? Yeah, well, uh, do you know what? I think City are favourites in in majority of games if not every game that they play you know because they are such a talented team and I think uh, but I do like Tottenham I do like uh, and the the, the manager there I, I think he's a really really good manager a lot like you know Pep in, in his in his managerial ways he wants to play positive you know attacking and uh, but structured football uh, I think he's he's really brave in his in his ways that he doesn't really want to Oh, sorry. He, he he's brave in the way he, he'll take a risk. You know, he's not scared to take a risk. Uh, like Pep, you know, Pep takes risks. We play. He, he does everything. And but I do think Man City uh, will be the favourites. You know, I I do think they'll win the game. Uh, because I, I for me, Man City are favourites in every game. They've just got that ability to break teams down and score a goal. You know, whether it takes five minutes or whether it takes 55 minutes, 65, 85 minutes, they find a way to score a goal. And, and uh, you know, with the with the plays they've got, they're so talented, they, the goals can come from anywhere. Uh, so I, I do think they'll be favourites. I, I think it'll be a tough game. I really think it'll be a tough game. But I, I can see City coming out, eventual winners. Tell the people who are listening and watching this then what you do now and whether Pep Guardiola is an influence to you. 
I think uh, a lot of managers have influenced uh, to me. I, you know, when I'm because I'm managing now at Wigan Albion uh, in semi-professional, and uh, it's a case of for me, you, you try and learn and you try and listen to a lot. But I do like who you know, and at Tottenham, the the manager there, Pep. I, I do like the managers who real are real people's uh, managers. You know, they 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 speak to people, they listen to people, they find out about people, and they manage the the person rather than you know the the actual whole. I know I know as a manager, your job is to manage a whole team. I do get that, and and that's that you know that's one aspect of it that I do enjoy as well. But I like to I like to be a people's person. I like to manage like that. I like to try and inspire people. You know, like like you know people have inspired me like managers have inspired me in the past I, I like to to give them people opportunities as well to go and to go and inspire themselves to go and make their memories themselves and giving them opportunities and uh you know just watching football now just watching it's, it, it, it's not as easy to to emulate the way pep plays as people think everyone wants to try it everyone wants to you know do this wonderful football but it's not as easy as as people think and how hard you try you know there there is still limitations to to how you can manage and how you can play with what you have got and people have found that managers in the Premier League who got to try and do it to you know managers a lot lower down and it is difficult so you know the admiration for what he does and how he does it is you know it, it's massive it's I think everybody admires him everyone respects him and everyone looks looks at him as you know listen this is where I want to get this is how I want to be kind of thing as a manager. You think he could do it at Whitten Albion then? <laughs> Not too sure. The grass might be a bit too long. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, just as a final question then, how, how would you sum up your time at City then? Uh, I'd say frustrating. <laughs> frustrating as in terms of injuries and stuff. And uh, like I said before, you know, I just really wanted to go and succeed. I really wanted to go and succeed there. And and, and, and although I did, you know, because I was there three and a bit years and uh, I'd look at that as a success, I'd like to think I created memories there and moments there that people look at me and go, yeah, John, you know, you, every time you did, you know, every time you played, you give everything and you you did your best. But I suppose the frustration side comes out with me, obviously, with the injuries and they're trying to break back in and and so on and so on and 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 just not being able to really give it, you know, that 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 goal that I wanted to make, you know, and and really try and. Like I say, you know, just give every sum it back to all the, you know, all the city fans and stuff. Well, that that that's the frustration, but that's football, like we like we mentioned. But my time there, I loved every moment of it. It's such a special football club, you know, and I loved every moment of it. Every game I played, every minute that I played in a city shirt for me was a special one. Well, I enjoyed watching you, John, and uh, thank you for being so open and honest about your time at City. And uh, we'll get you on another podcast very soon. But thanks very much for your time, John. Cheers, buddy. Have a good one. So that's John Macken um, and memories of here the 4-3 victory against Spurs all those years ago. And um, although it seems like, well, it was a long time ago that John was playing for the club, he still, he still clearly has City in his heart. And when people talk about a club, by the way, having no history, every club's got history, by the way, every single club. History is just not defined by how many trophies you won. It is about having a proper history, you know, Look up the word history in the dictionary, by the way, and then you'll see what it means. Right, let's get back to some more contemporary chat. Um, Jurgen Klopp this week, Liverpool manager, announced he was departing. And uh, I just wonder what, you, you know, I did ask a couple of people on my match day vlog 
this question, but you know, how do you think that's going to play out in terms of the rest of the season? I know, you know, we all want to see City win four in a row and everything, but the Tottenham, sorry, to the Liverpool now think the players we're going to give a big send off to Jurgen Klopp and they're going to be more motivated than they've ever been, or do the constant questions from the media about Xabi Alonso taking over and can Klopp still have control of the dressing room and, and anyway, a City too good? Is it just going to be irrelevant? What do you think? I just, I, it's just like they're acting as always dead. Like, like, like I, I actually genuinely thought he died. Like, I just, like, on the mirror, was it, yeah, yesterday, the front page, the back page, like, I thought next it'll be on a, like, a pullout in the, you know, in a newspaper. Like, I've seen a T-shirt and it genuinely looks like he died. Like, he's got whatever day he started to now. And I just thought, oh, my God, like, like, you know, I don't want Pep to go, obviously. I never want him to leave. Like, I just want him to always be there. Just even if they have to, like, make a mould of him, I don't care. But I hope he gets the same, like, thingy that they, that Klopp has. I, I, you know, I'm not saying anything because, you know, I do think Klopp's a nice guy. I, he comes across a very nice guy. Um, but, yeah, it's... It, probably, it could either go two-way for Liverpool. They'll either spur them on or they'll just go down into the doldrums, fingers crossed. What do you reckon, then? I, I just don't... I just... I honestly don't... Like I say, I just think it could go two ways. I say, fingers crossed. on the fence, then. Yeah, as usual. <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon, Toby? Uh, Friday was a great day, wasn't it? That was great. I was sitting at work and I, I my, my mate texted me at work and he gone, he's gone, Jurgen's leaving. I'm like, yeah, all right, where, where are you seeing that? Twitter. All right, okay, great, funny. Yeah, no, good joke. And I, I turned my phone, I went to a meeting, turned my phone off, and I came out, turned my phone back on about an hour later, and my phone just just lit up. <laughs> Literally. And it's like ding ding ding. And I'm like, oh my God, he's actually gone. Um, yeah, no, Friday was great. Obviously, Jurgen left and we scored a goal at Tottenham. It was amazing. His ridiculous curse in football was broken. Um, so thanks, Jurgen. That obviously gave us the extra motivation. I don't think it'll affect the City players. I, I don't know. I don't know about the Liverpool players, whether you want to say that they'll they'll get more motivated or whether they'll get caught up in the media drama. I think these guys are very professional now, so I, I think it will dry or they'll just get on with it. With City, though, we've seen we don't really care about the outside noise. We don't listen to it. The only thing we we you know like when the 115 charges came that was when that was really when our season started is when we just kicked on from there so I almost think it might just kick us on a bit more um we don't really get affected by by it all we, we just we just sort of get on with our own thing you know we've seen what players are like with referee decisions you know we don't sit there moaning in interviews the players just sort of sit the players sit there and go oh yeah well you know it happens referees are human on to the next one and it's that mentality is incredible so <clears throat> I don't think they'll care I, I think they'll they'll look at it and obviously go okay react to it in their own private ways but I think that the mentality of Pep and the mentality of the players will be exactly the same as it was before and it's just to to go and um, <clears throat> win the league again and, and win as much as possible um, I, in terms of where Liverpool will end up well I, I, I think I might have oh, I, I don't know Obviously, you sit there as a City fan and hope they end up nowhere. It'd be great. Like, <laughs> like I, I just, I love the, the Liverpool, I had a Liverpool fan say to me yesterday, oh, you know, the City pool era has been a great era. And so I went, what do you mean City pool? You've won one trophy and we've won five in the time that you've had that little City pool. And we've done 100 points. We've done the treble. We've done a domestic treble. 
sorry, this isn't City, but this isn't a shared thing. You've won one Premier League, one Champions League, one FA Cup, one Carabao Cup. So let's. there's levels to this game here. Klopp's here and Pep's here. When Pep goes, it's going to be different. And I will probably be like them Liverpool fans. I take, I take the mick because I've, I've just seen something on my phone yesterday about, you know, Liverpool fans crying their eyes out. This dad was sitting there with his eight-year-old crying, both crying their eyes about Jürgen leaving. I'm sitting there laughing about it. But I'm going to be honest, I'll probably be like that when Pep leaves. So I can't really mock too much. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know where they'll end up. Um, after after he goes, Xabi Alonso is an is a is a scary prospect. Um, he's doing very well with Bayer Leverkusen in a in a league that is dominated by um, uh, by Bayern Munich, and now they've got Harry Kane as well. That would be another funny thing if they if he went there and didn't win a trophy. But that's another subject. Um, so um, so yeah, I, I'm not sure. Um, but obviously, my respect to Jürgen, he's, he, he is, regardless of what I say, he's an incredible manager. He's had an incredible career. He delivered them their first Premier League. And uh, wherever he goes, you know, I, I think it could be the German national team. That's my own prediction. Um, but um, yeah, wherever he goes, it has it has been great. Those battles between Pep and Jürgen have been amazing. We've seen arguably, I'd say, the best one of the best Premier League games I've ever watched in the 2-1 uh, in a season we did 98-97 points that was probably the best atmosphere I've ever been at was probably the best game I've ever watched it was two teams gloves off for 90 minutes and they just went for it and you know and it, pretty much every game between those two has been like that and and it's it will definitely be missed but I, I think um, as Pep says I'll sleep a lot easier knowing you're not there <laughs> Well, I know in tribalism we're supposed to, and I see lots of people doing this, and you've done it a little bit yourself anyway, uh, you know, laughing and, and having all this sort of glee at another club's demise or a manager's departure. But I have to say personally that if uh, Pep Guardiola wasn't the city manager and I could pick another coach, it would be Jurgen Klopp. Um, I do like him. I love his passion. I love his enthusiasm. Uh, it's hard to say that when he's coaching one of your rivals but that's how I personally feel and uh, I wish him all the best and uh, keeping up that intensity uh, at the you know in, in any job really because it is intense um, I, I think is is almost impossible I've heard a lot of skeptics saying that that seems like a sort of bit of a feeble excuse but um, having worked in the media myself I know that I always gave absolutely everything when I was at the BBC and there were nights when I'd come home absolutely exhausted not because I was incompetent but because I was working over hours trying to make everything I did the best it could possibly be so I can in my own way sort of relate, relate to that and I just hope obviously like all City fans that Pep's got the energy to carry on for quite a while yet but um, whenever that time comes it's going to be Pretty horrible when he departs. Uh, another subject I just wanted to mention, I don't know if you two have seen this, but apparently Fulham fans did a bit of a protest at their game over the weekend. Uh, they were you know, protesting basically about uh, prices of 40 quid for the FA Cup. And there are pictures of one of the stands at Fulham during their FA Cup tie um, being empty because they'd boycotted it. And... I do think personally, because of our tribal nature as football fans, that the battle against, you know, ludicrous prices, against VAR, whatever it is that you want to complain about, is always disjointed because one set of fans doesn't want to amalgamate with another set of fans. And 
if one sort of fans like Fulham do this and boycott, then all they'll do is they'll get Chelsea fans, whoever their biggest rivals are, saying, oh, you're not much of fans then, you're not very loyal, can't afford to pay 40 quid for a ticket, what are you moaning about? So it never gets off the ground. And I, I do think that fans should stick together. Just, I mean, last week, I think it was on the podcast, we had Mark on talking about what happened in Istanbul in, and, and, the, and the club and, and UEFA being a little bit scared to admit what went wrong. But it, doesn't it need fans to, pardon the expression, unite, be united, you know, from all other clubs to fight for what they believe in? It worked with Super League, or at least the first invention of Super League, but it seems to rarely happen. You know, the, the game's being played all over the place Friday night for that uh, top Spurs game. You know, now the Brentford game is going to be on a Monday night. So two weekends in a row, City are not going to play on a Saturday and a Sunday. And they're playing in London, uh, you know, in a working day. I mean, where is this going to stop? I've thrown a lot of things out there. I don't know whether, Amy, you've got any views on, on all that. But I just feel as if tribalism is great and that it gives you that passion and banter and everything. But is there not times when maybe... Tribalism gets in the way of fans sticking together <clears throat> from the football family. Well, I see on Twitter that everyone moans about it, but look what happened on Friday. 9,000 people went. So it's like you're moaning about it, but you don't do anything about it. So it's like any any anything, any job, anything. You moan and groan about it, but you don't do out about it and then nothing happens. The thing was to do like Fulham probably did, not buy tickets, then they'd have something to say. But you're not going to because you want to go and see you, you want to go and see your team, you want, you know. And I think that's the thing is they know, you know, FA, FA, UA through whoever, they know you're going to buy tickets, they know you're going to go. Um, so it's all right you're saying, oh, moaning, it's a Friday night, it's a Monday night but you're still going to go. Um, you know, it's the same as at the, at the Etihad, you know, we, we'll go on a Monday night, we'd go, because we, because we want our, we want to see our team. Um, I think if you don't sell the tickets and that's the way to go about it, but no one's going to do that. So I don't, you know, I'm, that's my personal opinion. And, and that's just the way I, I see it. But obviously like, that's just me. City brought out a shirt to commemorate the Year of the Dragon, I think, and uh, and I'm sitting in my front room saying, who's going to pay 80, 90 quid for that shirt? And then the next day, and I can see Toby's reacting to it already, my, my son gets is wearing one in the house, had it delivered the day before, and I'm saying, what, what on earth have you bought that for? It's, they're not even, the team aren't even going to wear it. Uh, you know, well, you know, I had to get it. I wanted I wanted the blue one last year and I didn't get it because I thought no I'm not I'm not spending that I really am not but it's like the Champions League shirt I got that the like the, the signed box and then the medal and everything um and because it because you do because you just daft out we had that it's like it's like this season I'd bought I'd bought all three shirts. Why? Like, why? Have I, and I've got names on the back and I probably spent an absolute fortune, but we do it because we 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 love our boys and, you know, we are, we are daft, are we? <laughs> Thinking about it, we are daft. And then you get some some dads who buy the kids, like, the full kit with, like, shoes and 
and socks and and everything and it's it really does look cute it really does i with the children that i look after i've got um city fans here who the children i look after and they come in with the little shirts and it's proper cute and they've got names on the back but we are we are daft we we do spend a fortune and it is you know we, we are but it's a love in it and it's 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 ours and that's the way it is which leads me to conclude that tottenham game had been at three o'clock in the morning um on a on a wednesday um, it still would have had 9,000 fans travelling to the game because none of us will ever back off from yeah. our obsession. And yeah, it is. It's an obsession. It is. It's an obsession. And we, you know, we are, we, you know, there's things I've bought and I think, why have I bought that? But you just do it because, you, you know, it's, it's, it's ingrained in here. They've, you know, merchandise people are very, very, very clever. And that goes for anything, whether that's like, your favourite band or whatever you will, you know, the amount of money I've spent on Take That and City is actually ridiculous, but a-ho. Hey, well, just a quick question before I uh, move on to Toby. Um, when Take That are on the same... I was literally, I was literally going to ask you. <laughs> take That are on the same night as the Champions League semi-final second leg. If that was to happen, which one are you going to go to? I've already got my Take That ticket, so... Whoa. Oh, you're a, yeah, fake, fake. Go on, Toby, your turn. <laughs> you, you, you can say what uh, you To be fair, in my defence, in my defence, I bought my tickets well before any of the thingy, so. Hmm. Well, obviously the question Excuse really is that. more about whether fans should stick together more to try to prevent some of the craziness or whether it's just a forlorn hope in this country. No, it, it, we've, we've spoken about tribalism many times in this in this podcast on this podcast before, and it just shows, you know, buying shirts. I've I've bought the Year of the Dragon shirt, God knows why, um, and <laughs> like it's just you. But you do, as you say, you do, don't you? You you support the team. I've got the I've got the treble winners medal thing from the season ticket holder down there. I've got I got loads of stuff for months. I've got the one that signed balls from a few years ago. Like you, you just do. I actually remember um, a City fan, I think it might have been the Arsenal game, don't ask me why I remember this, who was on your vlog, Ian, um, from, it was the Arsenal game with the Rodri 2-1, who who sat, there, who sat at the Arsenal game, you interviewed him before, you vlogged him before the game, and he said, oh, just, we just buy it, you know, if a new shirt comes out, just buy it, you know, it's just for the love of it, and, and it's just some, that, that, that fan just sums it up, and we all do it. In terms of ticket prices, um, I think we spoke about this with Kevin Parker earlier on in the season. And I think it might have been one of the first podcasts of the season, one of the first podcasts of the season, season um, because he was, if I'm right in saying, one of the people who has protected the £30 cap of the away tickets, which is absolutely life-saving. And I hope that goes on. And I'm worried about the fact that it won't go on um, because fans are already going to be priced out. I could sit here talking about this for an hour. We talked about the new Champions League format already pricing fans out. Um, and, you know, if if the way ticket prices were to go up, it would absolutely kill the fans. And and and, and that's what that's what these 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 guys at the top don't get is that this sport yeah, and every the, sport the point is the away end would still be full Toby even if it went up to 60 quid 70 quid 80 quid but that doesn't change the point though that doesn't make it right like just because like I, I agree I totally got it that 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 goes to a credit to, be, to the city fans but that doesn't make the, the prices right that doesn't make 
putting the prices up right and and fair and just you've been saying to me that it's 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 going to be difficult once the the club world cup goes to um goes to america you know everyone will be saying that because they won't be able to go to city games it's all to do with commercial so it, yes the fans will still go and that is commendable to the city fans that do dedicate themselves to going every game even when the prices do go up and have gone up but that does not make it right and that does not make it just and, you know, it's so frustrating because this sport ultimately is driven by the fans. We're the ones who buy the tickets. We're the ones who drive around this damn country and go to absolutely go to other countries and all this sort of thing. Buy the shirts, buy the merchandise, show up for the games. We're the ones and we're the ones that drive it Buy the TV. I've got the, the FA Cup on in the background as I do the vodka. We're the ones who pay the money. So why aren't we the ones that are treated with? with the fairness and we could go on about this for hours but it's it's ridiculous and I, and I totally support the Fulham fans in their protests you know I, I'm not one of those people who sit there going well you just fake fans not, not for that stadium you know fair play to you for, for, for boycotting it because it, it takes bravery to do it to, to cut out some of your stadium because you want your fans there supporting your team but um, you know it, it, it it's it's and, and fans need to make a stand you know we saw a massive collection of fans when the Super League came out not just our club but every club look at all the fans outside Chelsea Man United Liverpool a huge almost joint protest of every single fan in the country come together and protest that and it stopped it and it was an amazing show of what fan power can do and I hope that it drives the the, the cap on the £30 um, away ticket prices and and doesn't force these tickets to go up but I'm I'm not sure it will You've been on one today, Toby. Um, well, play to you. Uh, thanks very much to Amy and Toby and, of course, to John Macken for his contribution to the podcast as well. The next podcast will be recorded on a Tuesday evening after the Brentford game on the Monday evening. Um, well, at least I think it will. I think I might even have some on on the Tuesday, so I'll have to try and think of a way around that. Uh, but uh, anyway, there'll be another podcast after the Brentford game on the Monday night at some point. In the meantime, City play Burnley, of course, on Wednesday. And then, of course, it is that trip on a Monday night to Brentford. So thanks very much for uh, listening. And uh, obviously subscribe and make sure everybody knows that they can listen to this for free. Um, and thanks very much to AMR Development UK and to Counting King. Remember that name, Counting King. Just Google them and you'll see what they do and they might be able to help you or your company either get a loan or save money on taxes or whatever it might be. Very, very good company rising very, very quickly and worthy of your support. So um, thanks very much for listening. And uh, if you only remember one thing from this podcast, just remember this. Win, lose or draw, although at the moment it's usually win, it's great to be a blue. Mm -hmm.